Welcome to Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs, the podcast for busy and high-performing entrepreneurs and leaders who are looking to create more energy and optimize their health while upgrading their brain and personal performance with precision. I am your host, Julian Hayes II. I've been involved with health and performance for over a decade. This podcast was created for the high performer who is unapologetically ambitious, the one who moves at a fast pace and operates with an edge, the one who wants to become superhuman. Nothing here is fluff, gimmicky, or feel good. I have little to no interest in simply helping you improve your life. I want to help transform it. By listening to this podcast, expect to have a body that feels just as good as it looks. Expect to possess a swagger and style that gives off an infectious vibe. Expect to command a stage or any boardroom you walk into with your executive presence. And lastly, expect to become your most enhanced self so you can live a limitless life. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I am your host, Julian Hayes II, back at it again for part five of the Weight Loss for Busy Entrepreneurs series. And in this particular installment, we are diving deep into exercising, structuring workouts. And this is a very important topic because a lot of times, the way people approach their workouts, the way they approach going to the gym, it's random. And it's no surprise that six months, a year later, they still look the same, sometimes even worse. And it's because there's no structure, there's no blueprint, there's no thought process behind the programming. And that's what we're getting into today. The way that I go about this is to thinking like an architecture, thinking of our workouts as a blueprint. And so that is the premise of today. And uh, since this is such a in-depth, thorough episode that this is going to be, there's also a article that you can read along and revisit as well. And a lot of what I'm talking about is what I written about in this article a few years ago. And this was pretty much when I was in obscurity and maybe three people knew who I was. So lots of gems in this article. So I'm going to be basing a lot of what I'm talking about from this article, which will be in the show notes as well. So anyway, let's get this started. Before we were able to record history, Humans were busy constructing these prehistoric monuments, such as the Stonehenge in England, the cliff dwellings in the American Southwest region. And then as we continue on in history, you had the the pyramids of Giza, the Sphinx, all those beautiful monuments from the ancient Egyptian period. We had a Gothic architecture. We had that period. And that gave rise to now the cathedrals of Notre Dame. You had the Renaissance Age. And you had the Art Deco period. You had the modernists, the postmodernism. And then you had today's architecture. 
And so it goes without question that architecture plays a huge role in our lives. Now, beyond these aesthetically pleasing monuments, it's a way to communicate with us. And just something randomly is, did you ever think about how they built these monuments without all this modern technology that we have? It's something that I just find fascinating. Now, I have many theories, and this is probably not the right episode for that or the podcast for that. Maybe in a few years, I'll I'll start sharing some of those um, theories. But you might be wondering, okay, Julian, get to the point. It's been a few minutes now, and we're not talking about anything fitness or working out. What does architecture and this ancient civilization rabbit hole that I'm going down right now, what does it have to do with fitness? And I would tell you a lot, because if you think about it, creating monuments, these monuments that have stood the test of time that we talk about, that will continue to be talked about thousands of years after this, they took diligence. They took able bodies, working bodies, and it took time. But most importantly, it took practicality and functionality. You see, the majority of these historical structures that we marvel at, not only are they aesthetically pleasing, but they serve a vital role in their respective communities. You know, they couldn't afford to have a nice-looking building that didn't ultimately serve the community. And this type of logic needs to remain at the forefront when it comes to structuring your workout programs. You see, most programs, they look very good on paper. And the idea of the training program sounds amazing. But there's one big flaw in the operation. Most training programs are not rooted in reality and they're not transferable into the real world. So when you think about building these world-class training programs, there's five steps that I want you to think about. And we're going to dive deep into those during this episode, plus a little more. And the first step here is to prepare a blueprint. So if you think about this, before any hole is dug, before any brick is laid, the very first one before, or before you take that first brushstroke, you have to figure out what you're trying to build. Or in the case of the paint, you have to figure out what you're painting. What's your goal? What's the purpose of this specific fitness mission, this specific training program? when you attempt to step foot into a gym without a blueprint, that is as logical as an engineer attempting to design the Golden Gate Bridge, but forgetting to measure and consider the various loads to support that bridge. You see, the most important objective of your blueprint is to first determine a primary training goal that then connects with the overall purpose of why you are training. Are you here for fat loss? Perhaps so. Maybe you also want to build some strength. Maybe you also want to add some muscle along as well. Whatever it is, you're determining your primary goal. But then you want to, as an attachment, think about another goal that could serve as that tag along. Think about it as what's going to be your Robin. Say your primary goal is your Batman. 
So let's give an example here. We're talking about weight loss. We're talking about fat loss. So you're losing fat, then maintaining strength or increasing various performance metrics, such as your athleticism or your speed or your work capacity. That could be a nice secondary tag-along goal. So the second part of this is how will you approach the project at hand? So we did our blueprint. So now the next step is approaching the project. How are we going to execute this? So we think about a movie. Obviously, a movie can't be made in one week, at least a quality one, not to my knowledge. A skyscraper definitely isn't going to sprout up in two to three weeks. And you're not going to radically transform your body in two to three weeks or even four weeks. Building muscle is tough. Losing 20 pounds, 10 pounds, losing that amount of fat, it takes a hell of a lot of work. There's no sugarcoating that. And if someone tells you otherwise that it's going to be a cakewalk, then they're bullshitting you. You know, a lot of times, these types of ambitious feats that we have, they fail to launch because of the goal itself. You know, wanting these goals, visualizing these goals is one thing, but taking action and sustaining that action is an entirely different story. You see, the difference between a successful project, a successful movie, a successful exercise program that becomes a reality compared to the unsuccessful ones is the attention to detail from a micro standpoint. And you see, everyone wants the big goal. Everyone wants the fat loss, the weight loss, the six-pack abs. But it's the daily execution that morphs that big goal into a reality. So the next logical questioning that probably comes to mind now is how do you execute from a micro standpoint? So we're thinking about workouts here. And for simplicity's sake, let's say each training session is perhaps 60 minutes, so one hour. And the optimal number of training dates ranges from two to five days weekly. Now, experience, daily stress levels, and other hormonal factors, they need to be considered when you're configuring how many days of training you're going to commit to. But at the beginning of each training session here, in this hypothetical 60-minute scenario, you'll start with some mobility work. That's consisting of foam rolling, lacrosse ball, or various mobility drills, maybe doing some jump roping, just something to get get the body moving, get the heart rate up a little bit, get some sweat going. And then it's time to execute on your specific lifting regimen for the day. That's going to consist mostly of compound exercises, which we'll get into later in this episode. And you mainly want to stick to compound exercises, such as your squats and your deadlifts and your overhead presses and your benches because they're efficient and they're effective and they give you a lot of bang for your buck in the time frame. And then think about the last 60-minute window, the last portion of this window. That's going to consist more of your fillers. Think of these as polishing a car. Examples of this, when I mean polishing a car, this is where you can do your beach body work, as I call it. You can work on lagging body parts. You can work on your biceps. You can work on your abs. You can work on your triceps. And you can give extra attention to maybe body parts that you're rehabbing. Or you can do some conditioning work. Some people might call this metabolic work. So a summary 
of this 60-minute approach, what I'm talking about here is five to 10 minutes, mobility, warming up, get yourself going, get yourself ready, get yourself primed, 40 to 45 minutes of strength training, and then 10 to 15 minutes of fine-tuning, beach muscles, conditioning, rehab work, that kind of stuff. So the third step here on this process is we need to develop the essential tools to build our masterpiece, our masterpiece being our physique, being our body. So let's stick with skyscrapers. So whether you're building this jaw-dropping skyscraper or you're just simply building a bridge that's going to connect some towns, the arsenal of tools that you're going to implement makes or breaks you. The same when it comes to constructing your physique. Now, sticking with metaphors, fitness offers up a plethora of tools. These tools are, of course, exercises. You have an unlimited arsenal at your disposal. I'm sure you can go on the internet and you can find variations for everything you can think of when it comes to, to like squats or push-ups. But some tools aren't as effective in constructing the body you want as others. So to help you a little with this, as you think about going to the gym, as you think about your exercise selection, let's think about constructing your body. Divide it up into four key areas. So number one here is you have upper body pulling movements. And these movements are going to bring your body closer to an object. An example of this to, to give you a, a easier um, visual is chin-ups that's lifting you closer to the bar. Or you can have one where the object is coming closer to you. To you. That's like cable rows. That's like lat pull-downs, barbell rows, or T-bar rows. Those are upper body pull, um, pulling movements. And then the second part is upper body pushing movements. So in these exercises, you're pushing away from the object or that this is like a push-up, or you're pushing the object away from you, this is like a bench or a shoulder press. The third quadrant here is lower body movements, but mainly we're thinking about the front here, so think about this is more of a quad focus. And these exercises primarily focus on the quadriceps, as I mentioned, and there's a secondary focus on the hamstrings and the glutes, depending on the exercises you're doing. Now, Exercises that typically fall in this category would be something like your Bulgarian split squats or any lunge variation, a leg press, a step up, or a squat jump. And these are just to name a few. I could spend all day just naming exercises, but that's probably not the most beneficial thing. And the last fourth quadrant here is hip dominant movements. This, I include glutes and your hamstrings here. This is my favorite region. This is a very important region. We sit so much. The glutes are, I can give you numerous episodes just talking about the glutes and why they're so important. And and this is just beyond from an aesthetic purpose. Um, I think we all have appreciation for some nice developed glutes. But anyway, weak glutes are one of the primary causes of back pain. It's also one of the reasons that your hips are having problems and that your knees are having problems. And this causes other muscles to overcompensate. So when you're thinking of exercises for this region, 
Think of your posterior chain, just everything behind you. This is deadlifts. This is hyperextensions, but the glute version of these. This is glute ham raises. Any variation of hip thrusts, any variation of, of glute bridges, and sprinting is also a great um, glute and hamstring development as well. So I'm sure you're thinking there's a lot you left out, and you're right. And some of those is, these are more like your supporting cast, and these will be more important depending on your goal, your level of training experience, and your where you currently sit right now with your fitness. So we definitely have the core. These are planks. These are all different variations of crunches and sit-ups. And we have rotator cuffs. And this is great for optimal shoulder health. And exercises here that are good for rotator cuff is things such as your band pull-aparts, your face pulls, and your shoulder dislocators. And another important area that doesn't really get its due diligence is the grip work. And being entrepreneurs, we don't want to walk into a meeting and give weak handshakes. A very um, important area to look at with our grip work and exercises with that is farmer's walks, overhead walks, trap bar walks. But to keep it very simple, farmer's walks are um, more than enough. So the fourth step here is to determine the appropriate techniques for approaching your specific masterpiece. So as you get ready to start working towards your masterpiece, that is your physique, you know, there's many techniques that you can approach and take this with. And when I'm talking about techniques here, I'm specifically talking about different rep ranges that you can approach your workouts in. And once again, for simplicity's sake and to not get lost in the weeds, I'm only going to cover the fundamental rep ranges that are used predominantly by people, and I'm going to disregard a lot of the more advanced techniques. So the first one here is to think about some the category of high rep work. This is more in your 10 to 15 rep range. And you can push this range upwards up to 20 in some cases. And this category is mainly focused on building size. Some people call this hypertrophy with endurance and strength gains being very minimal here. And a lot of bodybuilders will typically train in this rep range. And the next thing is the middle ground. This is more around the six to nine-ish reps. And for the majority of lifters, this is really the sweet spot in terms of where you should be during your sessions. And the reason why I say that is because this range here provides a very good mixture of size and strength. And it's a great spot for beginners because you get you get a lot of reps to help you build up your skill and your proficiency of the exercise that you're using at the moment. And the last one here is the low rep work. This is two to five reps. And a lot of times for beginners, it's not really the level you want to be at because um, you're not giving a lot of the skills and a lot of your muscle um, development hasn't been properly nourished yet. And this is why for those beginners, the middle range is a lot better. And a lot of low rep work is more technical, more skilled, and for veterans. Now, 
five by five is very common in the world, and that's that's not bad for beginners. If you notice so far, we haven't necessarily said, hey, this is for fat loss. That's because at the end of the day, when you're building size and you're losing fat, it's predominantly determined by your nutrition. A lot of the rep work that I just went over, a lot of that is preference. I don't really like to lift into 10 to 15 that much. I love the two to five, but I also train more for strength and a little more performance oriented. So you, that, this is why we go back to the very beginning and we talked about even if your goal is fat loss, what's the secondary, secondary goal with it? Is it more performance sports oriented or is it just general health? And that determines how you're going to approach your rep ranges. So there's a few more that would kind of serve as icing on the cake here to mention. And this is more the explosive, the dynamic work. And this helps to increase athleticism. Um, I tend to think that we all should view ourselves as athletes, even if you're not playing on TV on Sundays or you're not playing for an NBA team, you're still an athlete. And athleticism and maintaining that is one of the best anti-aging tools at our disposal that we ultimately can control. The only thing is about jumping before going gung-ho in these movements, assess where you are in your skill level and your conditioning because there's a lot more technicalities to it. So stay small and um, stay conservative and then gradually build up from there with these. And so a few um, lifts in this category is um, the Olympic lifts, the various Olympic lifting, um, sprinting, medicine ball drills, and some chain exercises to name a few as well. And so conditioning work, this is something that's very a lot more popular now. And this is another form of metabolic work, which is great for fat loss. It's also great for increasing your training endurance. Some people call this work capacity. And these workouts are great to use at that last portion of that 60-minute block that we discussed earlier. Or sometimes this can even be an excellent standalone workout that you can use. I often like to have my strength days and then maybe my fourth days on a Saturday, and it's nothing but conditioning work. And examples of conditioning work that you can include could be complexes, it could be strength circuits, it can be kettlebell swings, it can be density training, which is one of my favorite modes of training. My upcoming workout program that I'm going to be releasing soon has a block that is nothing but density training. So density training I hold dear to my heart. So that's a lot of information that I have thrown your way so far. And so I want to give a brief summary of this section in particular because it's a lot. So after you determine your goal, you know, pick some rep ranges that align with your goal. I'll just give you some examples here. If your goal is specifically weight loss and fat loss while maintaining strength, here's a couple options that you can do. You can implement low reps with the explosive or conditioning movements. A beginner could use the medium rep ranges with conditioning and explosive movements at the end. Or you can use medium repetitions with high repetition work at the end. And if your goal is just to get 
be strong as an ox. You can use mostly low reps with high reps toward the end to build some hypertrophy. You can use low reps with explosive work. And this is a great fat loss and performance strategy. This is the category that I'm currently in right now. And if you just focus on muscle building, then high rep work with some medium rep work is your best thing. Or low reps with high reps consisting for most of the session. So even with just that little block that I just read, there isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy when it comes to even with that little block that I just spoke about right there, there isn't a one-size-fits-all strategy when it comes to selecting the appropriate techniques for your goals. You know, as long as you consider the key metrics, and those key metrics, once again, are your skill levels, your conditioning, your goals, your daily stress levels, your hormones, you can experiment until you find something that is totally enjoyable for you and meshes with your particular lifestyle. And so the fifth part here is to make sure you mix in the right tools for your masterpiece. If you think about painting, let's go to the painting world for a little bit. You could be painting your very own Mona Lisa. And then you mix the wrong color into your bucket. And that masterpiece is gone down the toilet. You could be constructing and building one of the next great wonders of the world. But then you implement the wrong brick. Or you forget an essential measurement to constructing this monument. And the point of all this is that you can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have all the tools that one could ever wish for. You can know all the insider secrets. But if you don't implement the right tools with each other, then these assets mean nothing. And so this brings me to what I like to call the laws of lifting. Mixing the right tools with each other here. And here are a few things when it comes to lifting to be mindful of and to not mix. Now, you can do these sometimes and get away with it. But generally speaking, it's probably better that you don't in a more in a more ideal world. And so some of these crimes that I call them could be performing a highly technical lift and extremely heavy loads. If you're a beginner, you could pair two heavy movements that work the same region. The same region, just simply your joint. And supersetting muscle groups of the same area where both are heavy loads or highly technical lifts. And to kind of get around these things that I just mentioned here, think about combining similar muscle groups when it comes to hypertrophy. Combine a, he- a highly technical lift or a heavy movement with a low technique or lighter movement. Or combine antagonistic movements. And so that might have just sounded like a lot of jargon that I just said right there. So let's give some more real world examples. So let's take the exercise of barbell squats supersetted with a barbell row. Now, two great exercises. The only thing when you're doing this is that both of these exercises involve the lower back. 
And by the third or fourth set, your back will be very fatigued. And, and so you might be negating some of the performance gains that you get from putting these two together. So a good workaround, if you still wanted to work your legs and you still wanted to work your back, is to do barbell squats that is supersetted instead with pull-ups. So the barbell squats involve the lower back a little bit, but the pull-ups are still working your back just as the barbell rows were. But the difference is that the pull-ups aren't bringing extra stress onto your lower back, which could compromise your performance on the barbell squat. So we laid out those five those five laws, and I will let's quickly go over those. So the first one is to prepare a blueprint. Then think about your approach to this blueprint, this project at hand. Then the third step is think about the essential tools that is needed to build your masterpiece. And then the fourth step is to determine the appropriate techniques for approaching your um, specific masterpiece. And the fifth part of this is to make sure that you're mixing the right tools for your masterpiece. So before we end this episode, I wanted to give some examples, some real world examples as well to make this concept really solidify and help you understand if um, on a real world practical setting. I think we're going to set examples for the three goals that we've discussed so far. And the methods that I'm getting ready to share they're far from being the only options available. My goal here is to only share um, a method that is easily applicable to any person that's heading to the gym and something that they can immediately get started with. So let's look at the first one here. And the first category is thinking we want to add a lot of size, a lot of muscle to your body. And and I guess the first thing to remember is this is a weight loss series. So if you need to lose a lot of weight still, training for pure uh, hypertrophy, training for pure muscle building isn't going to be an ideal thing for you because you still need to lose a lot of fat. And there's other various hormonal factors that would impede um, your muscle building. So it's better to lose the fat and then really focus on building up. So an example of this, and this is a full body workout just to keep it easy, is that I'm gonna do a super, I'm gonna do supersets, I'm gonna do pairings, and I'm going to do barbell back squats and chin-ups. Both are four rep, four sets for six to eight reps. And so what you see here is there's a quad dominant movement the back squats, and there's an upper body pull, which is chin-ups. And so they're antagonistic in nature. They're not competing with each other, but you're still working your full body at this moment. So one's a push, one's a pull. So now we go on to our next supersets. This is, and it's going to be a barbell hip thrust with an overhead press. That could be a dumbbell or barbell, depending on your preference, and your level of expertise. And in this range here, I'm looking at three sets, 12 to 15 on the hip thrust, and 10 to 12 on the overhead press. And then I am keep on moving down 
and there's a hip dominant movement, which is my barbell Romanian deadlifts, and an upper body push movement, a dumbbell incline bench press. These are both three sets for 10 to 12 reps. And then the D set is an upper body movement, which is um, cable rows, superset it with band pull-aparts, both for two sets by 15 reps. And even in this one, you see there's an upper body pull movement of cable rows, and there's a rotator cuff of band pull-aparts to work on posture. And lastly, we're going to do a little conditioning, a little core. So there's farmer's walks for three uh, three by f- three sets for 40 yards each, or you can just do three sets and walking for 60 seconds, supers, and then you can do some planks for three sets for 30 to 45 seconds. That's a lot of reps, and that's a lot of volume. But the thing is, when you're in a more muscle building stage, a more hypertrophy, your nutrition is also going to be increased as well. So you're going to be able to handle this extra volume because you're you're having more food that you're eating on a daily basis to help compensate. So let's add to something. The next category is, this is someone who just wants to add a lot of strength to their body right now. And once again, remember that low reps aren't for beginners for the most part. And you want to build muscle and learn the patterns of the movement before you really get into these super low, heavy workouts. And so um, so what we're going to do here is, in this workout, we're going to start with a deadlift for five, five by five, so five reps for five sets. And we're supersetting these deadlifts with a explosive hip dominant movement. This can be band hip thrusts and it's five by 20, and you're exploding up. And when I say superset, this doesn't mean that you necessarily have to go from one movement immediately to the next movement. You can still take a break in between. I just like to pair movements together for efficiency and to save time and space when you're in a gym, especially these commercial gyms. And so the second part here is there's a barbell incline press and there's a barbell front squat. The incline press is four sets of five, and the front squat is four sets for six to eight reps. Once again, it's an upper body push, and it's a lower body um, exercise as well. So they're not competing with each other. Then we'll have some lat pulldowns and some band pull-aparts. Three sets each, 12 to 15 reps, and then farmer's walks as well for three sets of 60 seconds. And uh, when you think of a strength work, your rest periods may be a little longer as well because um, pure strength work is training more, uh, it's more neurologically taxing than it is muscular. So nutrition is a little different as well. So now let's save, let's talk about fat loss now. So let's save the funnest, if that, that's not a word, but I like saying it for last. And the good thing about fat loss and weight loss workouts is that they're the most versatile of all the areas because a lot of fat loss comes from what you do in the kitchen. It comes from going to sleep at night. And the the working out, the lifting weights, that's really the icing on the cake. That's really to sculpt the body. So the lifting 
is to ensure that there is a, something that is marvelous. I don't know why that came to my head, but marvelous, something marvelous to look at when the fat sheds and comes off. A lot of times we've seen people who have lost a lot of weight, but in this weight loss, they don't really look that much better. They just look like a skinnier version of themselves, but they're still kind of, they're skinny fat or it's just a lot of loose jiggly on their arms because there's no muscle there. So that's really what I want you to think about when it comes to strength training and and losing weight. So in this workout here, let's say the goal of this workout that I'm getting ready to talk about is I want to increase your work capacity, but I want you to also maintain strength because these are key pillars as well when it comes to longevity, anti-aging, and thriving decades later. So keep these in the back of your head. The workout here is I have barbell squats, three reps, or three sets, sorry, for six to eight reps. And then I have body weight squat jumps, three sets for 30 seconds. And in this one, immediately after you get done squatting, you immediately start with the body weight squat jumps. And then you'll take your rest. And then the next portion of the workout is what I have a tri-set here. And so we're going to hip thrust for three sets for 12 to 15 reps. And you're going to pause two seconds at the top to hold. And then you're going to go to chin-ups for three sets for 10 to 12 reps. And if you have trouble with chin-ups or you cannot do that amount, look into the assisted chin-up machine or simply use a lat pull-down. And then lastly, we're going to do push-ups for three sets for 10 to 15 reps. Once again, even within this tri-set, none of these are competing against each other, but you're still working your entire body. And the last, the C-set here is step-ups for two sets for 12 reps, and then add some planks, add some part stir planks or any other core exercise here for two sets to 15 to 20 reps on the planks. And, and lastly, add some farmer's walks, or you can add some jump roping here, or you can get on the rowing machine or the stair, the stair master. That is totally up to you. So that's a lot that we've gone over so far. This is a very in-depth episode. So there's a few takeaways that I want to share from all of this. And there's some principles to keep in mind as you go about your strength training and your exercising. And one of the first lessons is to think about this. Quality of your jabs is better than the quantity of your jabs. So in boxing, you can have someone throw hundreds of punches per round while his opponent is selectively jabbing, throwing a, throwing jabs every now and then, but he's connecting each and every time, while the other guy is just throwing punches and missing. You know, at the end of the day, you win the boxing match by connecting on your opponent's face more, by connecting on your opponent's body, not by just throwing punches. And... Your workouts, your training programs are the same. It's not about the duration of your workouts, 
nor the quantity of exercises that you do in a workout session. The importance lies within the quality of that session, the time that you use there. 40 minutes of efficient lifting trumps 100% of the time, 90 minutes of just talking in between or performing 15 different work exercises with mediocre form. And the second piece here is that variety isn't the spice of life. When it comes to performing these workouts, each session doesn't need to be completely different compared to the last one. Each week doesn't need to be completely different from the last one. You know, variety isn't the spice of life. When it comes to performing workouts, each session doesn't need to be completely different compared to the last one. Companies, trainers, and all these other fitness gurus that are preaching no two sessions are the same, this is actually a key indicator that you might need to go in the opposite direction because this is nothing more than a marketing ploy. You want some familiarity week in and week out with your sessions. How else are you going to be able to judge your progress in the gym? So pick a couple of lifts and focus on improving those. And the next one is patience is your ally. Rome wasn't built in 48 hours. Michael Jordan wasn't the greatest of all time after two weeks. You're not going to be this lean machine in four weeks. I know these 28, 30-day challenges are promoted a lot, but it's just not rooted in reality. I'm not going to play the guitar like Lenny Kravitz in five weeks. I would love to, you know, I would love to. But um, all this is a fairy tale. The process and logic behind optimizing your health, behind building an impressive physique, it's very simple. But the required effort isn't easy at all. Not by any means. And if anyone tells you differently, they're just lying to you. They're playing to your emotions. And I can't do that for you. So this was a very in-depth, technical episode. I hope it was of value to you. If there's any questions pertaining to this episode, any previous episodes, or any topic that you would like to hear, please let me know. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I truly appreciate it. Go back and listen to the other ones if you haven't. There's a written blog with nearly every, with a lot of what I talked about, plus a little extra that will be attached to this show notes. And stay tuned for part six to wrap this series up. And with that said, Stay awesome and continue to be limitless. Peace. If you are a high-performance entrepreneur, leader, or executive looking to supercharge your energy and become the most enhanced version of yourself without the guesswork and you're tired of cookie-cutter templates, randomly guessing and hoping the next thing will work and you actually want a precise and bespoke health optimization and performance roadmap that is in-depth, data-driven, and custom-tailored specifically for you, then my superhuman coaching programs are probably a good fit for you. No stones will be left untouched. Now, it's not a good fit for you if you are someone who does not want to invest the time, the commitment, nor the energy into getting the results. 
But if you are someone who is ready to start their end of one journey, upgrade their body and brain with precision, and truly live a limitless life, I invite you to apply by heading over to theartofitnessinlife.com forward slash us. And you'll get the opportunity to talk with me for 60 minutes and we'll take a deep dive into where you currently are and where you're trying to go. And then we'll decide if this is a good fit for you and me. And if it is, I'll extend an invitation for us to work together. Once again, to apply, head over to theartoffitnessinlife.com forward slash us. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you.